0: Rainmaker FM. This podcast is brought to you by CopyBlogger.com. Words that work. Build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing. Get superior content marketing education so you can build a remarkable online presence. Head over to CopyBlogger.com to learn more. That's CopyBlogger.com. Hey there. It is so excellent to see you again. Welcome back to Copyblogger FM, the content marketing podcast. Copyblogger FM is about emerging content marketing trends, interesting disasters, and enduring best practices, along with the occasional rant. My name is Sonia Simone, and I am a co-founder and the chief content officer for Copyblogger Media. And I am joined today by a longtime friend and um, quasi-colleague, <laughs> um, <laughs> Amber Nasland, who is Senior Content Marketing Evangelist at LinkedIn. Um, if you have been around the block at all, I'm sure you will recognize Amber. She's a longtime expert on real-world strategic ways that businesses can use the social web to just do smarter things and, and reach outcomes. So, Amber, it's, it's a pleasure. It's been a while since I've interviewed you. It's great to have you here.
1: I know it's crazy. You know, we talk all the time online, but I guess we never think to do the worky, worky thing. So (laughs) here we are. I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. So kicking off, we were all very excited when you announced that you are now the Senior Content Marketing Evangelist at LinkedIn, but we have no idea what that does. So... (laughs) (laughs) So what does that look like? What, what kind of, what is
1: that? What is that? Uh, yeah, it's, it's so funny. It's one of those titles that I did not ask for that title, by the way. For anybody <laughs> I, who wants I figured, to like,
0: yeah.
1: But um, it, essentially, I'm a consultant uh, oh, okay. is the easiest way to describe it. So I work with most of our larger uh, enterprise clients at LinkedIn and help them do content strategy better, mostly because content is the backbone. Of anything that you successfully do on really any platform, but especially on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So the companies we're working with often um, have a pretty sound strategy for maybe buying media and advertising, but they don't really have a good handle on how to tell a story on the platform or how to really establish authority and thought leadership. So we go help them do that. Um, So our team is about Gosh, I'm going to get the number wrong. I want to say there's a dozen of us globally, but there's only three of us here in North America. Um, so we um, we work pretty tightly with our enterprise sales teams, and I spend a lot of time with clients who are LinkedIn customers and help them hopefully be more successful on our platform.
0: Cool. I think, and this has been true for a long time. I think LinkedIn is still among the successful social platforms. So I'm not talking about whatever that you know. LO or whatever, but yeah. among among <laughs> platforms people use, sorry, LO, do not sorry, send me. Hello. Don't at me. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just have you're not there yet.
1: It was a good run, man. It was, it was
0: yeah. It was sure. an excellent effort. But among the you know, the big platforms, I think LinkedIn is the one that people understand the least. If what do you wish more people understood about LinkedIn? And about LinkedIn specifically, you know, in 2019.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair question and and you you just commented on I think on the thing that I think is most important is that LinkedIn of 2019 is not the LinkedIn of even 2013 or 14. Mm-hmm. I, we've had quite a an evolution as a platform and I think and even as a digital marketer for a long time, I think LinkedIn was known as the the jobs platform. You know, it's like where people go put their resume and where people go to network to get jobs and really LinkedIn has evolved to become a pretty substantive business focused content platform is the way I describe it to people. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've seen a a surge of of content creators, of people who use the platform to um, establish themselves as authorities in their industry, to establish their companies and having a distinctive point of view in the business sector. And the thing that's unique about our audience is that It is professionals talking to and about professionals. So in general, the content on LinkedIn is very business focused Mm -hmm. um, and is heavily geared toward a B2B type um, interaction. And I think that's different than a lot of people remember it being many years ago. So if you spend time on the platform now, um, we really sort of refocused our efforts on making the news feed on LinkedIn a place where people want to hang out and consume content and digest information. And uh, that alone really shifted the focus from just being a platform for you know recruiters or people looking for jobs really for professionals to find out kind of what's happening in their industry and keep their finger on the pulse of um, what's going on in the business world
0: yeah that's that's good that's that's uh we we chatted just a few minutes before we started recording and I, I confessed that I think LinkedIn is interesting and i I don't get it so this is helping me um, <laughs> this is helping me understand it because it's it's a cool platform. Um, it is. and, and people think really, and it's like, no, really, no, go check out yeah. LinkedIn. It's like,
1: no, and I think it's kind of been like the sleeper hit actually I agree. Of the last few years where it, 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 you know, there was never, LinkedIn never tried to be flashy. It never tried to be Instagrammy or Facebooky or really gimmicky. The, the bet that LinkedIn made a few years ago. And of course, since I've came on board is um, focusing on really quality content and highly the ability for businesses who want to do paid media on the platform to highly target their audiences. Mm-hmm. So if you're buying sponsored content or advertising, you can really get pretty niche in terms of who you're talking to. And those two things together, as well as sort of just the unspoken culture of the platform, mean that people, the, the substance on the on the newsfeed is really There And people protect it. You know, it's funny, you see posts from people all the time, like this is not Facebook, quit Mm -hmm. posting memes and quit posting like, they don't want that stuff there, because people come to LinkedIn, um, almost as a respite from some of the other places on the web that maybe feel a little bit more um, frivolous or time wasty, they really come to LinkedIn to get substantive information about the business world around them and you know we don't cheerlead that very often, but I think that we've kind of slowly but surely really built I mean the growth on the platform is insane and it just keeps getting better year after year. So I, I think we're onto something. I
0: think you might be. I think you guys might <laughs> be onto something. Yeah, I um at one point I referred to LinkedIn as the drama free social media platform. And <laughs> it's that's like not a small thing, especially today. You know, that's a pretty big deal.
1: Yeah, you know, and I, as, I think I'd like to think that's true. I think that's a little bit maybe over optimistic there. I for sure see some, you know, cat fights and mudslinging on there. But, <laughs> um, but it, it definitely does not have the same um, crunchy drama feel as some of the other social networks yeah. uh, are. And like I said, the community to some degree self polices. Um, so it's really interesting to watch that dynamic in action. People are pretty protective of the the kind of content they want to see there.
0: Yeah, that's really cool, which would suggest, and this is always true in social, but it would suggest that, and we're going to talk about some maybe next steps, but folks who do want to start publishing on LinkedIn, maybe it would be a good idea to just look for a while and see mm-hmm. what people are doing and mm-hmm. not necessarily jump in with what you've been doing on Facebook or, or whatever you're platform is today. Yeah. What would you advise? So somebody, you know, this the audience for Copy FM um, includes a lot of people who create content for a living. They're freelancers or they're working in-house or they're business owners. If they're not really doing anything with LinkedIn now, what what do you think they should start doing?
1: That's a great question. So you alluded to one of those things, which is be willing to kind of dive in and observe mm-hmm. and be a participant in the community. So get in the newsfeed read what people are posting, comment, interact, get be part of that conversation because you'll really quickly get a flavor for, I think, what works um, on that platform. And I think it's a natural fit for content creators. So for me, content creation is sort of in my DNA and I've used LinkedIn. I've taken some of the greatest hits from my blog and repurposed them as long form pieces on LinkedIn. What actually seems to work really well on the platform is posturing questions or open-ended kind of conversation starters. So you see a lot of um, opinion or uh, contemplating like a trend or an emerging idea in the marketplace and, uh, It's one of the few platforms left, I think, where purely text-based posts, you can sit there and tap out 1,300 characters and get tons of engagement. So people are really keen to jump in and be part of conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think it's a great place to sort of have a point of view, uh, express that point of view, and also get input and buy-in from the community around you. So uh, you guys have always been so... Sharp on the side of authority and what it means to develop authority, and LinkedIn to me is a, a really natural fit for that. If you need, you know, an outpost beyond mm-hmm. your own properties, um, where can you extend that message and that content? Um, LinkedIn is a really good fit for that.
0: Yeah, I like it. Sort of the flip side of that, I think we all see things every day and think, "Oh, I really <laughs> wish you would stop doing that." <laughs> um, <laughs> what What are you seeing that maybe makes you cringe, or you just wish people would? just not do that anymore.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard because I try really hard not be that person that's like the arbiter of all things on the social network and what you should and shouldn't do. Uh, But I do think in general, there are things that turn off the audience on LinkedIn for the obvious reasons, like super pitchy, self-promotional, really direct marketing-y feeling stuff doesn't Mm -hmm. play well on the platform. Um, People tend to call that out pretty quick. And there's Any day you can go read across LinkedIn and read laments from our members for people who connect with somebody on LinkedIn and then immediately direct message them a pitch of some kind. Right. Or immediately use it as a, like, here's my newest piece of content and then use it as their own personal, like, email inbox for people. Right, um, and I think that presumption of opt-in is a real big no-no on LinkedIn. So just because you're connected to somebody on LinkedIn, which means you maybe can see their email address, that does not mean adding them to your email list. That does mm. not mean presuming that they've opted into you know, receiving content from you. It's a little bit different kind of social contract. And so I think... Being sensitive to the fact that it is a community and it's a pretty content-driven community, but it's not one that takes kindly to a lot of self-serving stuff mm-hmm. on it. Um, those things get called out pretty quickly. So I wish more people, I guess, would come in and be a good community citizen and think about how they can add value to the to the platform itself rather than looking at it as a means to an end to promote their own stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and for me, you know, I, I get a lot of pitches. I know you get a lot of pitches. Endless. Um, <laughs> and I make a really bright line between a pitch that's that somebody, you know, hits me up on email or whatever, or LinkedIn. And, and they, they seem to know what I do for a living. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. They've done some research yep. versus the people who just they're just carpet bombing, you know, oh, like, yeah. it's
1: crazy. I got one the other day. It was like, I see that you are an expert in legacy planning. And I was like, <sighs> I have no idea where you got that from. But two seconds on my profile would have told you that's not the case at all. You know, and these are people who do like, you know, some random pull of a bunch of profiles and they kind of they do a search and then they just blast everybody that's on that search with the same templated message and it just doesn't go over super well. Yeah, yeah. I'm like you, you know, I, it, you give me a real relevant message. That's something that you've clearly done your homework and you're reaching me in kind of a personal, not presuming, but, but in a, in a casual kind of friendly, Hey, would this be of interest to you kind of way? It's way easy for me to engage in that conversation and say, Hey, that's not a fit or yeah. Hey, maybe we should talk a little bit further. I'm much more amenable to those kinds of things than stuff. That's clearly the spray and pray approach yes. to marketing that we all loathe
0: so much. Yes. And I, it's funny because, um, um, so many of the, the audience and students, a copy blogger and people we work with, the best people are the ones who are the most afraid to actually say, hey, I do a thing. And yep. it, it really looks like you might benefit from that. Just wanted to let you know, you know, I'm here and might be able to help out. The ones who are like really good at their mm-hmm. jobs and really careful, never send the message. Um, and then there's there's all those other people.
1: Yeah, it's so funny. Some of the most valuable... Business relationships that I've built and made on LinkedIn came almost accidentally. Because to your point, it's people who are like, "Well, you know, I don't know if like you'd be into this, but I kind of do a thing that sounds like the thing you might need. And so, if you want to chat about it, let me know." Because they just don't need to be gross about it. Yeah. and it, somehow it always manages to work itself out. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I um I know some freelancers who are really, and this is kind of. Relates a little bit to what we've been talking about. Who are brilliant mm-hmm. at creating a network on LinkedIn and using it to, you know, to do research on potential clients and reach out to potential clients. But m- I know a lot more freelancers who have no idea, like, how to do that in a way that's not weird or just how to do it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, any thoughts on like how people can get um, freelancers in particular? What's their kind of first steps in just? getting to know more people in their topic and, um, you know, having having conversations about about what they do.
1: Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's similar to kind of what we talked about before. I think step one is waiting in and just trying to be a good citizen and participant of the community. So read what comes across your newsfeed from your existing connections. And the way that the newsfeed works is that you'll see posts from your uh, your first degree connections, but you're also you'll also see posts from, uh, I believe it's second degree connections and some people who are kind of deemed as influential content creators on the platform. So there is an algorithm behind it, but you'll see people outside of your immediate circle, which is kind of my point. Mm-hmm. So the more you can get in there and participate in those conversations and add thoughtful commentary or be in the discussion is a great way to organically build connections with people that you don't already know. You know, In the early stages of LinkedIn, a lot of people preached the, I will only connect with people that I know. And I think that's actually, to some degree, what LinkedIn used to tell people is Mm -hmm. you should only connect with people you actually know. And I actually don't subscribe to that wisdom because to me, that's like saying, well, I'm just going to collect my friends that I already have on another platform and keep them all Here, that doesn't do a lot for me in terms of growth or you know getting outside my comfort zone. So there are some other ways we've really we we relaunched groups and groups had kind of devolved for a while into like a spam fest. Um, And LinkedIn recognized that. So they kind of pulled the plug on it and rebuilt it from the ground up. And it's still in very early days. But, you know, finding groups that are relevant to the interests uh, that you have and participating in some of those conversations. And now we have uh, we were a little late to the game on the hashtag thing, but we did it very thoughtfully. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: So I was I was thankful to see how thoughtfully that um, we approached it. But now you can also follow hashtags that are of interest to you. Um, and it really is about not the carpet bombing of Instagram hashtags where you put 75 on any post. Right. You get a limit, you can only put a few hashtags, I think the limit's 10 on any post. And so they really are pretty a, a good curation mechanism to find content that's on a topic that's relevant to you. So so participating that way, I think is a great way to expand your network, build connections, um, and also using it as a content publishing platform the way it's intended. Right. Um, You know, we, there's publishing posts on the newsfeed and, and starting conversations. Video is a great, if you're comfortable with video, Um, LinkedIn loves video and it doesn't have to be like super high production quality uh, stuff. One of the most successful ways that video breaks through on the LinkedIn feed is like people doing the selfie video in their car on the way to work or um, that kind of real casual, really personal uh, feeling video um, succeeds really well. So if you're a person who's comfortable in front of the camera, just kind of getting on there and sharing some thoughts about uh, what you're working on or what your clients are challenged with today, or what's really caught your mind in the industry, those kinds of things play really well. Cool. yeah, I mean, I think experimenting is really encouraged on our platform. There's a lot of different ways to create media on LinkedIn. You can do text posts, you can do video, you can share images, you can do long form stuff on creating articles. And I think everybody's mix ends up a little bit different. But if you're naturally a content creator and and freelancing, it's a great way to kind of test out some of the the content you're creating um, and use it as a platform to build your own brand.
0: Cool, cool. Really good. I want to wrap up with something I have been thinking about a lot. And because of your role and just because of your background, I think you might have some things to say. I, I've recently been reading some things written by, you know, the conversion copywriters, the people who write mm-hmm. the sales pages. And mm-hmm. I, I love that. Crew a lot, but they they tend to think of content as a, a, a soft skill, and you can almost hear the word fluffy in quotes behind the word soft. You know, yeah. I think people misunderstand content, um, and I'm gonna go on a little crusade this year on that. You want to just like talk a little bit about the strategic value of content because it's it's if it's fluffy, you're not doing it properly.
1: A hundred percent. And content to me is not just you know the Remember when we all started blogging in like 2000, I don't know, four or five or something, and we all had our little blogger blogs, and it was like an online diary of our random minutiae. And I think in a lot of ways, people are stuck with that idea of content in their head as just this rambling of anything that pops into your brain. But content in its truest form to me is much more deliberate than that. And when I try to explain this to companies, and the same applies to a freelancer or somebody who's doing this independently, content to me is the cadence of all sorts of different media, depending on your tastes and your audience and whatever, that ties to a long form narrative that you want to tell about yourself or your business. Mm -hmm. And to me, everything that I post, well, I shouldn't say everything, I would say 90% of what I post ties back in some way to who I am professionally, what I value, and the kinds of things that I think about on a day-to-day basis. So it's not arbitrary, and occasionally there's a thing that pops into my brain and, you know, it's 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 funny or timely or of the moment about some meme or trend or whatever. But for the most part, when I talk to people about content, it's how are you telling a story over a long period of time with smaller pieces of media? And the light bulb goes on when I explain it that way because they're like, oh, okay, so there's actually rhyme and reason to it. And yes, there should be. And I like to ter- think in terms of themes. So for me, um, obviously, content marketing is a big theme for me because it's the core of my job. So talking about all things digital or content marketing is, is a recurring theme in my content. And recently, I've taken up the mantle of focusing on imposter syndrome um, <laughs> as a thing that happens to professionals and is exacerbated, in my mind, by the digital and social media world. So you'll see posts from me about that kind of thing. And occasionally, you'll you'll see some tangential stuff. But for the most part, if you were to go back and like draw a thread through all of my content, those themes keep emerging. So to me, like find the themes that that are central to what it is you're trying to do in the world and your content should orbit around that uh, it's not arbitrary. It's not fluffy. It really does, ha- is a means to an end. And all of you who are, especially if you're a direct response copywriter, you know the importance of the hook and being able to tell a story that really hits people where it counts. And to me, the content strategy is iterating on that over and over and over so that you find the key themes that really resonate with your audience and eventually deliver them something of value and if you think of it that way no content ever has to be fluffy
0: I love it Ta-da. I'm just gonna Ta-da. I'm gonna frame it <laughs> perfect I love it. all right I can't I, I can't imagine a better note to end on so I'm gonna just call it good and just drop the mic but yeah Yeah, I was so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, very fun. Um, Take care. Thank you all for your time and your attention. And uh, we'll catch you next time.